is P.S. You're Wrong, the podcast where we talk trash about the things people love to hate and hate to love. I'm Shelby. And I am Matt. And we are back with episode four. I know. I'm excited to talk about this one. I think I'm the reason we have this subject. I think if you had your choice, we would have skipped over it entirely. Yeah, I probably would not have... (laughs) Decided to dedicate a whole episode to Dwayne The Rock Johnson's Skyscraper. But um, I've seen it and I have things to say. Whether they will be insightful or not is yet to be determined. But I have I have a whole page and a half down from like four oh, pages wow. for the last couple episodes. So, well, <laughs> well that's okay because this is the episode where I went all in and I have I have the notes now. So, oh, wow. I'm excited. I know. I can't wait to hear. I know the uh, the all of the insights that you squeezed. From this very, you know, there's a lot to talk about. Yes. Yeah, it's the art piece for sure. But before <laughs> we get into that, um, I dare you to tell me something I don't know. Yeah. So <laughs> I was really, you know, digging through the bowels of the internet today for topics for this segment. And I feel like I have one topic that I could actually like talk for a good bit on and then a whole bunch of trash. So which would you <laughs> like first? Something let's sting or something let's start with lame. the bad news. Let's start with the trash. Yeah, give me something lame. Okay. We'll build you, off you, of that. I feel like you should have heard of this given your taste in movies. But did you <laughs> see the giant Jeff Goldblum statue that was erected by the London Bridge in celebration of the 25th anniversary of Jurassic Park? Yes, and I wanted to go so badly. I, I did. That's like a, that's like the eighth world wonder, you know, like that needs to stay there forever so that I can, I mean, it's good they have it because the London, um, the big bin is under construction. So there has to be something to draw the masses, you know, to make up for it. Yeah. I had a couple of questions about it, just in general. <laughs> Number one, I feel like it sort of looks like that bad I Love Lucy statue that was really a couple <laughs> years ago. Like the proportions are definitely not correct. And he's shirtless and yeah. kind of strange looking. Yeah, it's a pretty large nipple. I'll say that. <laughs> yes, yes. And probably <laughs> in person, it's like six inches wide. So that's yeah. really, really large. But is yeah. there a reason why it's in London, why it's by the London Bridge, why we have it in general? I don't know. I was wondering that. I didn't read too much into it. I uh, screenshot the photo of it and sent it around to a few people. But I really don't... I didn't know they were that into it. Like, I don't blame them. And it makes me want to live there because America <laughs> hasn't constructed a <laughs> a giant statue of Jeff Goldblum for me to go worship. But... I'm glad someone did. You know, I'm glad it's out there. I hope it goes on like an international tour. Besides Jurassic Park and Independence Day, what are like Jeff Goldblum's best movies? Um, I mean, you just named them, but um, <laughs> I mean, you have The Lost World, obviously. He has some fun in that. And then Thor Ragnarok, which you didn't like, but I thought was amazing. Oh, I never saw it. Oh, you didn't? Oh, it's one of the best, if not the best Marvel movie. It's so fun. You should watch it. Yeah, I'll put that on the list. (laughs) But that was really good. And then, you know, I am drawing a blank on what else he's ever been in. But I'm going to Google it really fast because I'm sure there's something. 
not his great cameo in uh, Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom. Yeah, no, that was okay. He was wearing a turtleneck, which I guess works for some people, but it didn't. It did not work for me. Better just the six-inch nipple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, that's what's great about Jurassic Park is it inverted the usual female-male dynamic and Jeff Goldblum became the sex symbol of that movie. And he was just posed provocatively. And they were like, you know what? This feels right. And they were right. It does, you know? <laughs> it's good stuff. I'll take your word. But yeah, those are, his, those are his best movies for sure. I don't know what else he's really been in, which probably makes me a fake fan, but also... <laughs> Those are some pretty good titles to have under your belt, you know? Okay, one second. I'm pulling it up. I'm pulling up the IMDb page. <laughs> I know. I'm trolling it right now, uh, and the there's fly? just not a Didn't lot. Yeah. <laughs> oh, you know what he was? He was in The Prince of Egypt. He was the voice of Aaron. Oh, this is saying he was so. in Hotel Artemis, which I just saw and hated, but I do not remember him being in it. <laughs> Oh, really? I haven't seen it. Oh, you know what? He's the mob boss. Never mind. I remember. <laughs> yeah, no, he's uh, he's not been in much, I guess. That's the thing, though, is he took, a, he took a break or something, whether it was like by choice or just he wasn't really wanted. But he's had this renaissance moment now where he, he found his popularity again through the... Uh, he did those commercials and everyone remembered how charming he was. You know, he was like, what commercials did he do? <laughs> I don't know. He was in one episode of King of the Hill playing Dr. Vezoza. Oh, wow. He was in Cats and Dogs, the 2001 Cats, Dogs, Spy movie. I saw that on his list. You know, I liked that movie as a child and I don't remember him being in it, but I'm happy I had such good taste even then, you know? <laughs> that was one of those movies that my mom took us to and she hated so much that she refused to let us get the dvd there was like <laughs> about five movies that we like all know that my mom just cannot stand because she refused to buy us the dvd for christmas it's like that why, yours why mine, and ours. Like it? um i she just thought it was stupid i guess <laughs> Yeah, I don't remember much. I mean, I knew it was stupid, but it's also, you know, about dogs. So I was all in on it. Okay, well, uh, why don't you try to tell me something that I don't know? Okay, so this was exciting. Breaking news. This happened today. Kylie posted a photo today of her baby, Stormy. And you could see that Stormy's ears had been pierced. And the internet just, like, attacked her for daring to to abuse and disfigure her child without her child's consent. And it was a really interesting pushback for me because I I had my ears pierced as a as a child with no with no say in the matter. Mm. And I didn't know it was like a scandalous thing to do, but people have strong feelings about it. Yeah. I mean, maybe this is going to be a whole episode about things that my mom has strong feelings about. <laughs> but I remember her, like there was this woman who um, also had kids at the same elementary school that I went to. And she had a baby at some point when I was like, I don't know, maybe in fourth or fifth grade. And she pierced the baby's ears. And I remember my mom being like, oh, my gosh, that is just a horrible thing to do. <laughs> How is the baby like the baby's ears are going to get dirty? Like they're going to get infected. How are oh, they going to wow. keep this clean? Like you have to be able to take care of your ears and clean your ears 
ears pierced. You should never get your ears pierced before you're like 14 years old because otherwise they'll get infected. Wow. Yeah. I mean, that's interesting. But I also, if that's why people are upset, I feel like if anyone's getting their ears cleaned more than regular, it's Kylie Jenner's baby, you know, like, I don't think she has to ever worry about that. Yeah, I think I think she's safe from the deadly ear. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I didn't know that that was like a thing, I guess. Is it like, I don't know why some people think it's normal and then a whole other party just thinks it's abusive. In my tweens, I never wore earrings. And so they like grew back in. And so in my teenage years, I was like, well, I want them pierced again. And it hurt. And I was like, mad that I had to go through that twice. I was like, I wish I had just taken care of my, my piercing. So I'd never have to do this again. So I mean, that's like, why not do it as a baby? So they have the choice if they want it, you know? Yeah, there you go. There you go. Good call. <laughs> but so that was the drama. I mean, we just can't let Kylie live, I guess. No, no. Kylie, what, why are you making such horrible life decisions? Yeah. Well, because did you see she was just, she had a GQ cover with her boyfriend, um, oh, yeah. Travis Scott? Yes, I did see that. Vaguely. Did you watch the, uh, did you, <laughs> did you watch the video they put together where she asks him questions about themselves? You know, you know what? I am not a huge, like, let me read these articles or watch these like journalism clip type of person. If there's like a, if something interesting like happens, like the ear piercing story, I feel like I'd be more inclined to see that it's going on. <laughs> but the sort of like uh, Vogue magazine is asking yeah. Emma Stone a bunch of questions. I'm like, eh, who cares? Oh, I love them. I eat them up. And this was like, I've never like encountered like Travis Scott celebrity before. Like I've never, I don't listen to his music. I didn't know who he was until he started dating Kylie. But it really humanized them in a surprising way where they just seemed like a normal, you know, one of those normal, really young couples who have a new baby and <laughs> just and 50 totally cars, relatable. And you're the the youngest self-made billionaire ever. Yeah, the billionaire. Yeah, I know. And um, but it was interesting because she talked about the Kardashian curse, which is this idea that all the men in the Kardashians' lives end up like ruined and hopeless and <laughs> and just like yeah because they can't keep up and also because the kardashians have horrible taste in men <laughs> yeah exactly that's that's exactly what she said in her article too except for the bad taste in men part but <laughs> she was just like because the interviewer was like i think it's just because they get too close to the sun and kylie was like you're right <laughs> and she was like yeah they just can't handle this celebrity and the amount of like craziness that comes with it which is true and unfortunate for rob kardashian he just poor rob wasn't cut out for that (laughs) i just remember some episode of keeping up with the kardashians where chloe was in a relationship or talking to i don't know french montana and she kept just calling Uh him french in like the voiceovers like i'm going out with french and we're doing this and i was like you know that like this is not going to end well nothing is going to end well (laughs) when the first name of the person is a fake first name and it's french like no like just cut this off now because i don't want to have to endure the episodes later when she's crying about how her relationship with french didn't go well like no, goodbye. So judgmental. 
I mean, did it last? No. Was I correct? <laughs> yes. No. History yeah, is proving me right. <laughs> okay. Well, do you have anything else you think I don't know? Well, this is not something... I know you know this because I've complained to you about this already, but MoviePass surge prices are kicking in across the country. And for those of us with MoviePass, this proves quite a dilemma because it looks to me that basically any movie that's a big blockbuster for the whole weekend that it's released, it's going to have surge pricing. I thought, oh, maybe only yeah. if it's selling out or only if it's a night movie. But I went and saw Skyscraper at <laughs> 10.40 on a Sunday. I had to pay $4.50 surge pricing and there was not a soul in the movie theater. There was like four of them. I know. Well, that's the thing is basically in their like announcement of it, it was really vague and they were just basically saying, oh, we can do this whenever we want. It might be for a specific movie. It might be for a specific time. It might be for a week or a weekend. We really just will see how it goes. So it's clear they're just going to start gouging their client base because they're losing so much money. They have to start somewhere. But it's just a weird tone to take that they're like pretending they're doing us a favor or something. They're like really positive about it. (laughs) And you're like, just call a spade a spade, man. You guys are like floundering here and we're taking the hit. But like, honestly, it's still fine. You're paying $4 to see a movie, you know? (laughs) Right. But here's the thing that I was thinking about is... Mm -hmm. So currently the movie price or the movie pass price is $10. And then yeah. the surge price is $4.50 in New York where I live. Yeah. The AMC version of this is only $20 a month. I so know. if I have to pay two surges or, or I guess three surges really within a month time frame, I would have been yeah. better off doing the AMC program. Now, granted, then I can only go see movies at AMC theaters, but I'm start I'm sort of starting to feel like hey, if MoviePass continues to move in the same direction, it might be a better idea to jump ship to AMC, which is a more reputable company as well. And I feel like we'll have less glitches because I've also had some, you know, glitches where you like show up to the theater and your app doesn't work or whatever. And then you have to pay for the ticket by yourself out of pocket. Yeah, no, it's true. I think it'll be interesting to see if MoviePass lasts. But ultimately, I think they like shook the system enough that I think the subscription pattern will survive, which I'm thrilled about because it's yes. nice knowing that AMC has a backup plan, you know? Yes. yes. Because <laughs> I've gotten really used to a certain sort of lifestyle that includes <laughs> seeing a movie every week at least. So I need that to continue however possible. And I'd really prefer not to pay full price for that. So. Oh, yeah. I think I've seen four movies in the past week. So I am... <laughs> If somebody cuts me off, I will go through withdrawals. And it's great that AMC has my back and will supply me with um, more fodder for my addiction. Yeah, but I'm hoping that MoviePass figures it out because I'm like rooting for them, you know? Like they had a great idea and I really want them to succeed, but it's also like too good of an idea to really work. So I know that they can't really possibly succeed at this (laughs) current level. But what I wish they would do, frankly, is just charge more. Like I'd rather pay $20 a month than worry about surge prices and like the refer friend and whatever weird stuff they're throwing in. I'm just like, 
remove all the bells and whistles. Just give me unlimited. Don't say I can only see a movie once. Don't say like when I can see it. Just let me do my thing, movie pass, you know? Yeah, 100%. And I feel like $20 a month would still be a steal for me. But also, I think that probably people who don't see movies as often or people who live in more rural areas where the movie tickets don't cost as much, movie pass would start earning more money on those people. And, And yeah, the surge pricing thing, it's annoying because now I feel like I am responsible to try to like game the system. So I'm already thinking of ways like, okay, I can wait and see this movie on a Monday and then I can see (laughs) this in this other time. You know, I'm I'm, like going through all these machinations in my mind of how I can see these movies super cheaply. And I would much rather just like pay the, you know, $20 and then I can go see a movie on a Friday night if I want to. And I don't have to try to think like, okay, when is there going to be a no surge uh, pricing for this? And it's like, even if they were like, okay, you know what? One movie a day is really too much. Let's just say you get to see six movies a month. It'd still be such a good deal that it's like, it'd be hard to go back to that. But ultimately, you'd be like, okay, this is fine. So it's weird that they're trying to like make these new tricks when it seems like there's much easier ways to kind of narrow in on their real base of consumers and just get money coming in finally. Yeah, I also do like how you were saying that we got that email. It's like, we have some new services that we're offering. And one of them is surge pricing. It's like, surge pricing isn't a service for (laughs) us. Like, is that helping anybody? I know. I guess maybe if you wanted to see it and you were like, ah, darn, all of the cheap movies people (laughs) bought my ticket. Now you could think like, oh, maybe this will cut out some of the people. But that seems like a stretch to offer it as a service (laughs) to us that now we're going to have to pay more. I know. They really think we're just stupid. I mean, even the way he like talk, the CEO talks in interviews, he's like, we're doing so well. And we're just like, "Mm, I don't think so, but sure. (laughs) But it's still great. I mean, MoviePass basically sponsors this podcast. So yeah, yes. Yes, (laughs) Yes, <laughs> Movie Pass and uh, my random friend's Netflix yeah. account. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, but I, uh, I thought we should also go into the VMA nominations. I don't know if you care about the VMAs that much. Yes. You know what? I saw this, and then when I was putting together this list, for some reason, it completely escaped my mind. <laughs> but I, and I feel like I know what you're going to bring up about it. Uh- <laughs> Well, I know you know what I'm going to bring up, but I'm going to start by saying, like, first of all, the VMAs snubbed a lot of people and it was interesting to see who they like really highlighted because it wasn't even just, okay, let's just, okay, the elephant in the room, Taylor Swift got snubbed. I have feelings about it. I do. But more than that, it's like weird because first of all, the Carters for Ape Shit got like eight nominations. A yes, and as then they should. Cardi B got ten nominations. And listen, I understand that Ape Shit was an awesome music video, but I'm also upset because Dua Lipa's New Rules is like one of my favorite music videos this year, and it got paid salt, man. It should have been in there somewhere. 
the the thing that I was sort of surprised for is I think that um, Childish Gambino's This Is America yeah. got nominated in some categories, but not like all of the categories. Right. And I was kind of like, it wasn't this the music video of the year? Like, shouldn't this have been like sweeping everything? Yeah. I mean, I think it deserves like best video of the year, hands down. But... It's very odd to me, and maybe I'm too biased, but Taylor Swift's Look What You Made Me Do music video broke a million records and was premiered at the VMAs last year. So it just seems very odd that they'd just be like, nah. And they nominated it for three technical awards, like Best Art, Direction, Visual Effects, and Editing. But it wasn't in Video of the Year, and Taylor Swift didn't get any other nominations for her reputation, other music videos, which is fine because they were okay. But Look What You Made Me Do was like a very well done thing. And that's why it got the technical noms too. So it's just like strange that Havana by Camila Cabello got nominated, but Look What You Made Me Do got snubbed. Because was that a good music video? Did anyone care about it? No. No, they did not. Like That one and Finesse. Like I don't know what it is with music awards and Bruno Mars, but they love Bruno Mars. I hate Bruno Mars so much. Let the record (laughs) state that Bruno Mars is probably my least favorite current musician on the radio and has been for a good several years, and I will stand my ground on that. (laughs) There was this like interesting podcast like last year when he won the Grammy for best album or something. Best everything. Yes. Yeah. And everyone was like, there was this podcast that was talking about why he did. And it's because he's like just ethnic enough. Like it seems like, like he, he appeals to white voters in a way because he's not like too something else, yes. you know? And so, but it's interesting to see that here with the VMAs because they are clearly gunning for the diversity thing, which they should, but they're like, they want the Carters there. They nominated them for like everything and they love Cardi B and they showed Childish Gambino some love, Drake, everyone is very diverse, but then they throw in Bruno freaking Mars and he's just like the whitest dude there. I just don't like him. Yeah, there's definitely, I I feel like I read the same article that you read. That's like (laughs) these, especially with the Grammys, it's a lot of like older voters, a lot of like older white industry voters. And it's like Bruno Mars is just hip enough for them to be like hip, but he's not like hip enough or he's not extreme enough that he would like offend anybody. You know, yeah. he's like the safe choice to nominate. It's like yeah. it's sort of like when they nominate, um, you know, like Justin Timberlake. It's kind of like, <laughs> oh, well, everybody yeah. likes Justin Timberlake. So we can give him a nomination. Like he's not going to offend <laughs> yeah. anybody. Where if you pick somebody, you know, like Childish Gambino or like Kanye West, there are these people who are like swinging for the fences more. And mm-hmm. while they're art is probably more progressive and should be winning more awards. It's like there's going to be people watching the show at home on CBS who are offended. So, (laughs) Yeah, I know. So it's interesting. I mean, the one thing the VMAs got right was totally ignoring Justin Timberlake's latest (laughs) work because it was just so boring and awful. But I just, I mean, were were you surprised by the Taylor Swift snub? Um, so I have, I had a couple of thoughts about that. First off, I was surprised that it didn't get nominated because I feel like it is 
an interesting music video. It's an iconic music video, whether you want it, mm-hmm. whether you like it or not. <laughs> there's a lot going on there yeah. to unpack. And it's not like the VMAs are, you know, like the Oscars or like the Pulitzers or something where they're really going right. for these highbrow things. I mean, lots of random crap have won VMAs through the years. So <laughs> the fact that they didn't yeah. nominate her and they're like, oh, no, we're too artsy for Taylor Swift now. I was sort of <laughs> like, OK, like get off your high horse. But yeah, that I saw a lot of people saying about that music video is oh it had all of these streams like it it should have been nominated because it broke all these streaming records but mm-hmm. part of the reason why it broke all these streaming records is because taylor swift in her evil marketing genius mind had all <laughs> of her fans like watching this video repeatedly no, no, no. in order to win in order to get concert tickets so it's sort of like all of these numbers are a bit inflated. Time out. Hold on. Okay, that's fair towards the end. But when this like broke the Vivo record, that was before the ticketing system. So like the first like week of of Look What You Made Me Do had huge like I should have pulled up all the different things it broke, and that was all before the <laughs> Ticketmaster Taylor Swift ticks drama. So. It did eventually, like anything it won, like after the first week, I could give you that. But like that first weekend where it like exploded and broke like the most viewed within 24 hours, like that was unrelated to the ticket scenario you're mentioning. I will give give her whatever (laughs) props are due for that first week. But I do listen to your podcast and I remember (laughs) hearing your co-host talking about how she had these videos open in like six different browsers and it was like replaying them like hundreds of times a day. (laughs) Yeah, but that just proves that just proves the fans are there, you yeah. know, that proves she is the artist of the year. She does have this huge fandom that's willing to do psychotic stuff like that. Whereas who watched Drake's God's Plan music video? I mean, I watched the Degrassi one a couple of times. Which one was that? <laughs> no, it wasn't that one. God's Plan is where he's like giving money away. And it's very like schmaltzy. But so the video of the year, the big award at the VMAs, obviously... The people in the running are Ariana Grande's No Tears Left to Cry, Bruno Mars' Finesse, which I never even watched, Camila Cabello's Havana, The Carter's Ape Shit, Childish Gambino's This is America, and Drake's God, God's Plan. This is a two-way race between The Carter's and Childish Gambino. And like the rest yeah. of them are not close because Childish Gambino's video is was such like a cultural phenomenon when it came out. Yeah. It, it, it's such like a, you watch it and when you get to that first like music break <laughs> where like the people with the guns come out and shoot everybody. It's just yeah. it's such like a visceral reaction that you have to it. And then the yeah. Carter's music video, it's like in the Louvre. It's so lavish and well-designed, but it also says so much about like the history of art and what it means to be an African-American and trying to find a place within this cultural story with, that it's mostly dominated by white people. So I feel like the two of those videos are on a whole nother league than like finesse where right. it's like Bruno Mars walking around <laughs> in a windbreaker. Like, okay, yeah. goodbye. How did that even make it? I don't know. I just, it's weird because I technically, like I'm not really like in the music scene beyond my weird Taylor Swift obsession. So I don't necessarily go out of my way to watch music videos, but 
I've seen the big ones. I've seen Ape Shit. I've seen This Is America. And I went around to watch Finesse and Havana. And I'm just like, well, these aren't even in the same. Like, how are these technically in the same category? Like, those are such like little cheese ball puff pieces compared to like. And I guess you're right that the VMAs historically aren't necessarily highbrow stuff. But then it's like, well, why are they ignoring Dua Lipa, who had this really interesting and engaging music video? And why are they ignoring Taylor Swift, who, <laughs> who basically drew them a audience last year when they premiered it there? And if so. they're going to nominate Taylor Swift, they really should have nominated Ready for It, which was so complicated yeah. that even her fans <laughs> couldn't figure out what was going on exactly it's like whoa the layers there you know she's really saying something about um the world today (laughs) or or something yeah Uh, not everyone not every music video is a hit okay but look what you made me do was and i think about it at least once a day i think oh my gosh wow i'm not not i what things i think about at least once a day but definitely there's not a music video in that category oh so iconic no it was great so it'll be interesting because i'm pretty sure taylor swift is going to the vmas Mm. so they must be giving her are they? Did they announce who they're giving the big awards to? Like the Vanguard Award or something? Oh, I mean, I think that they do um, ahead of time to a certain extent because usually that person has like a big performance that's put together, don't they? Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's going to Missy Elliott. So. Is, um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm not, I mean, I just Googled Taylor it. Swift is fine, and she's had a lot of good music videos, <laughs> but I don't know if she necessarily should be, like, is on Vanguard right. yet. Um, I know. I just feel like I remember there was something, but no, but I don't know. Maybe she won't be there anything. anymore. She's only nominated for technical awards? She's not nominated for, like, yeah, pop so, duo? Exactly. Something. She's not even nominated for, like, best artist of the year, like, and she had a killer year, you know? She broke records again which you might say is because her crazy fans buy 13 albums but she still has crazy fans who buy 13 albums you know like that's the point is she has such a fan base that she can do that and so it's weird the artist of the year is going again to bruno mars camila cabello cardi b post malone drake ariana grande and yeah that's it so it's like, how did Taylor Swift not fall into there somewhere, you know? Yeah, that's like a hot mess of a group of people. <laughs> I know, it's so and the weird. the Carters aren't in there? Are they in? No. Or is there um, a different one if there's two of them? There might be a different one. That's just the... I just looked up the two top awards, which is video Wait, and... Can Carter. you give me those one more time? Sorry. Yeah, it's Bruno Mars, Camila Cabello, Cardi B, Drake, Post Malone, and Ariana Grande. Am I the only person who is still like somewhat sour on Camila Cabello because of her weird interactions with leaving? Um, what's the group? Yeah, no, it was Fifth Harmony. Yeah, but wasn't she like supposed to be like really shady involved? Like, shouldn't yeah. we not like her because of how shady she was in that interaction? Didn't she just like leave him in the out to dry? Yeah, she did. She there was like she came out with a statement that was like, "I've been planning this. I've talked to all of them. I'm so sad. I feel so like." glad for my time with them and then they released a statement was that that was like she never told us she was leaving i don't know why she's doing this we tried to talk to her about it and she never wanted to talk to us yeah i don't like her boo on her i hope she loses <laughs> i know i mean she's on tour with taylor and i 
wasn't that into it. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm saying like Charlie XCX opens with her too. And Charlie XCX does such a great job at her show. Whereas, and Camila is just like a little sleepy, but it's fine. I mean, she has a big album, I guess, but it seems weird that it's like Taylor Swift didn't get a spot on this list. Like, it's just very odd to me. I'd love to know how they like pick who gets nominated for Artist of the Year because Taylor's had the biggest year, you know? I'm sure we will have this conversation again when the Grammys come around because the music awards, I feel like, are such yeah. a crapshoot for me. Whenever I see any nominations, I'm like, what is this? The People's <laughs> Choice? Like, who nominated these? I know. And it is a very very much a popularity contest like and you've seen other artists speak out about this like Kanye and Beyonce like there is no reason Beyonce lost to Adele like that's just nonsense and so it's weird that these like whoever's voting who's ever organizes these things like something's not clicking like I don't know if they're just salty about some snub or some comment or if personal things get in the way but someone is making some weird decisions Beyonce should win every award this year specifically for that friggin Coachella set oh my gosh I have watched that thing so many times (laughs) I have the like mp3 version of it it's the greatest thing that's ever been released and the fact that uh that like I don't know there's not an award for that I am like annoyed about because she should win an Oscar just for that well speaking of awards and if they mean anything did you see Katy Perry had an interview where she talked about her horrific witness cycle, her witness era? <laughs> yeah, how bad that album was and how, what'd she say? She was like, I thought I was in such a good place, but God just showed me that I was putting too much stock in like people telling me I'm good, like in awards and in having this these number one hits and these sales and stuff. And she's like, it's been humbling to realize that that it's been humbling to have this album tank so hard. And like, I realized that doesn't matter anymore, (laughs) which is great. I mean, it's true. It shouldn't matter. But it's also like, yeah, who told you that witness would be good? It seemed like a horrible everything about it was bad. There was not a single good song. Yeah. Which is too bad because Katy Perry's had some good hits. So Right. Although I don't think she has ever won a Grammy. Isn't that a isn't that a piece of trivia? Yeah, no. <laughs> yeah she hasn't. Which is which <laughs> is surprising because I think what is it? Teenage Dream, I think is probably yeah. one of the greatest pop albums of all time. <laughs> just in the fact that it had, I think, five number ones on it, like yeah. back to back to back, which nobody else I mean, unless you're like Michael Jackson, I feel like has had that same kind of success. So, I mean, Katy Perry, we feel bad for you that you your last (laughs) album sucked, but like you can go home and live in your mansion and look at all of your platinum singles from your last album. She's in a better place now. And nobody loves a comeback more than Americans do. So, (laughs) you know, she's got at least 20 more years of like songs on the radio in her. But I was just going to say, speaking of people who are going to win people's choice awards Dwayne the rock johnson in skyscraper yeah oh wait i forgot this is very relevant he was just named the highest paid actor yes i i saw that as well by forbes they said he was the highest paid celebrity he made 124 million dollars last year (laughs) which on one hand is in is an insane amount of money but on the other hand it just puts that into perspective of like comparing actors to like business people and the the, like money discrepancy because yeah 
The Rock is made more money last year than any other celebrity. And you compare him to like Bill Gates and, you know, some of those business people who have billions of dollars. And it's like, oh, yeah, The Rock doesn't have a fraction of that. I know it's chump change. But I was thinking about this, too, is like celebrities get a lot more perks than maybe quiet, like side business dudes do, you know, because like they get to go to all these fancy wards and wear pretty dresses they never have to pay for. And they can just walk into Hamilton and sit front row. You know what I mean? Like, there's some notoriety there that also comes with the job. And so I'd be interested to see how that like cost and worth thing played out for real yeah yeah because if you're like the head of exxon mobile like does anybody know yeah. you <laughs> Hamilton? although right. i'm sure that they get loads of free crap too but yeah i'm sure you're right it would just it would be amazing to just make 124 million though you know oh oh my <laughs> I'd god be, i'd be yes. down with that i'd take it you know chump change please sign me up i think if i made three million dollars i would be like okay i'm done i'm never working again yes that's all it takes just a little seed seed money <laughs> yes yeah just invest it right and you'll be set for life i'll invest it in waffle house and i'll be good to yeah. go <laughs> He um last year, the year before this, he'd only made sixty five million, I think. So he like more than doubled his income, which is crazy. And I'm so excited to talk about his his rise to fame because <laughs> I think it's I'm I'm here for it. Like I'm happy for him. I'm not surprised that he made double the amount of money this year, though, because when you think about it, he has been in so many movies in this yeah. past, you know, couple months. And this movie, Skyscraper, did not do super well at the box office. And a lot of people have been talking about The Rock fatigue. Like, there's just too many movies with (laughs) The Rock in it. I mean, Rampage just came out, like, a couple months ago. He had Jumanji, like, the Fast and the Furious movies. There's another one of those coming out. It's just a lot. And I can see, like, yes, he's making a lot of money. But at the same time, it's like... Yeah, he's in a lot of movies and they're all similar movies. And eventually you just get to a point where it's like, you know what? Maybe I want to go see something else. Well, so this is what's interesting is he had a Rolling Stone cover a while ago. And I I read it. I love weird celebrity interviews. I think they're so interesting. But he's just like such a naturally charismatic, likable dude. And in this interview, he's talking about his like journey through his career and how different and weird it's been. And he said like after he was cast in The Scorpion King and then like he did a bunch of kid films like The Weird. Where he's like the tooth fairy. I think he's the tooth fairy in something. (laughs) Yeah. He did all these kid films and he went up to his his agents and he's like you know what I want to be the next Will Smith except bigger and they just like laughed at him and so he dropped them and got a new agent and that's when his career went down this more like action driven path and it's really interesting because yeah in some ways a lot of his movies are the same but they're also like he's still doing like a weird variety like he's really all over the place because he does have Jumanji but he also has like Baywatch and Central Intelligence, which is more like the dirty comedy type thing. And then he goes and does Rampage, which is very serious action. And then he does San Andreas, which is more like, I don't know, kind of popcorn fluff action. It's more playful and like... Wait, Rampage was very serious action, but San Andreas is you, popcorn fluff? Okay, did you see Rampage? No, I saw neither of those movies because they looked okay. terrible. Well, Rampage, I thought would be more like, I don't know, something comparable, but like silly. 
But he played it very straight. And actually, Rampage was a really interesting movie because it was very like violent, like graphic. Like there were very specific death scenes that caused a lot of like surprise in people like reviewing it who were like, wait, I just expected this like dumb action flick, like Fate of the Furious type. And it was much more like, I don't know how to explain it, man. You should have seen it. It was like there's this one scene where a one of the creatures like lifts up this fairy full of people and you see their faces as they then die horrific deaths. And then there's this other character who's let who escapes and this guy watches him get hit by a rock and die like in a splattering goo. It was just like it was just very crazy. And I mean, it was serious as in The Rock. He wasn't very playful in it. It was sort of like this movie, which we'll talk about, is he doesn't really loosen up. He's just kind of like serious Dwayne, where he's like, I'm here to do business. And he's not really having fun with it like he did in Jumanji and like he did in um, some of his more comedic roles. I'm I'm surprised, though, that people... That his agents, I guess, did not see this coming because I think that there is right. a strong track record for this type of actor. I mean, one of my favorite actors of all time is Arnold Schwarzenegger. And I think that this <laughs> it's like a similar arc. It's somebody who becomes famous for some kind of, you know, sports ish role that mm-hmm. has some theatrics involved in it whether it you know wrestling or bodybuilding and then kind of takes that into roles where oh they need a strong person in a movie so here cast me in this supporting role where I need somebody who looks good shirtless yeah. and then they roll that over into oh I can do some comedies I can do some action movies I'm not like necessarily a great actor but I can play these mm-hmm. roles in these kind of like big fun uh, either comedies or action movies. I think Sylvester Stallone also has that, like John Cena, I think is working on that same yeah. path now. I personally have sort of a grudge against The Rock because back when <laughs> he was in WWF, I was a big Undertaker fan. And so, you know, I have <laughs> held that against The Rock all of these years. But, you know, if you don't have that kind of grudge going on, then I can see why you would like The Rock. <laughs> Yeah, he's just like a likable guy. He's very like affable. He just seems like a fun dude. You know, it's low drama. I don't know if you watched Central Intelligence or Jumanji, but his bromance with Kevin Hart is really adorable. And there's just something interesting about him because he's not necessarily like a sex symbol. Like a lot of the Marvel guys or whoever are very like, oh, he's so hot. Like, He's so cute with his kids. Everything leads back to him being like this desirable man. Whereas this is more just like, oh, shucks. What a great guy, you know? (laughs) Like, I just don't know if he has the same like sex symbol status, but there's something just like so likable about him, no matter what dumb role he's doing. And so this idea that he wants to be Will Smith is sort of, you can kind of see it because Will Smith has the same sort of charm where it's just like, Anything he does, you just are like, oh, he seems like a nice guy. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I think that charm definitely came across in this movie. Um, I think it's interesting that you said that this was a more serious movie than maybe some of the other things that he worked on not not because i don't think it isn't um but because the director of the movie ross and marshall thurber is known primarily for doing comedies and the fact that he did dodgeball and we're the millers both before this and then this 
for having some, I guess, sort of funny moments, it really is just kind of like a straight action movie. There, it, there's not like a lot of, yeah. it's not like a Marvel movie in the fact that they're trying to like shoehorn a bunch of bad one-liners in here. It's sort of just like straight right. action. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that was sort of the, the critique of it was that it was really predictable. It was just like very, it was just a very cliche action flick. You know, there's the problem... It was this weird solution, the end. It wasn't necessarily about the characters or making some sort of statement or like funny. Like it wasn't a, it wasn't as cheesy as I thought it would be. Cause I love a good disaster flick. I love a good cheesy. San Andreas was such a good movie because it just played into this extreme in such a fun way. But this one, I liked it. I don't know what you thought of it, but I was surprised because it more reminded me of like the 90s actions like Daybreak and obviously Die Hard, where it was just like strong men must solve problem. And it did it in a very serious... I don't know if serious is the right word, but it was just... There wasn't like a lot of laughs. Yeah. I think that this will probably surprise you and people listening to this, but I actually did (laughs) like this movie. fair amount. Yes. What is it going to be in the top 10 movies this year for me? No, absolutely (laughs) not. But and it might just be because I've come off of a couple of Marvel movies and the Jurassic World movie (laughs) that I just hated so much. But I do I do love like a good 80s 90s action movie. And part of the reason why I love those is because the special effects are all real which you don't have in this. Mm -hmm. But I really appreciated with this, like the straightforwardness and the quickness of the plot. It comes in, here's your character. There's that great setup of the montage. It's like a commercial montage at the beginning of like, this is a skyscraper. It's the tallest thing in the world. Like here are the different (laughs) parts of the skyscraper. And it just sets so nicely so that when you're watching the movie, you can, as a viewer, think about what the characters are going to do and how they're going to react to things because you know all of the stakes that are involved. It's like, okay, the building is on fire. They've shut down the fire repellent system. So therefore, (laughs) like these people have to get to the top of the building because the fire is moving upward. You can't go to the bottom of the building because (laughs) of the fire above you. It's like, it's very straightforward so that when The Rock is making choices, you can say like, this is a good choice or this is a bad choice. And it's more fun I think for a viewer to watch along with it where like in Batman which we were talking about (laughs) two weeks ago because the science and the things that are happening are so convoluted you kind of just have to sit back and let the people like bring you the next step of the journey and you can't think at all for the character because you have no idea what the stakes or the rules are until they're presented to you at that moment yeah no that's true and it's interesting because like watching this movie you do just kind of sit back and you're like yeah like it wasn't like Jurassic World where I was like what why are they doing that how did that work like what what was he thinking why did anyone think that would work that logically doesn't make any sense it was much more like oh yeah of course he has to climb along the side of the building to get to the to the (laughs) turbine to turn this off and he's gonna do it with duct tape like that's all that's the only choice he has like obviously he has to make it work you just relaxed into it because there wasn't this weird leap of I mean there were some leaps but it wasn't like as annoying as some of the other dumb movies like 
That's what I don't get is I was surprised to see how low this scored on Rotten Tomatoes because I think it's sitting at like 49% right now. And it's not necessarily that I think it deserves more, but in comparison, one of the worst movies of 2017 for me was Kong Skull Island. I just hated that movie. And I could not believe that to this day, it's certified fresh at 75%. That just boggles my mind because that movie was full of illogical leaps, just weird character choices, dumb action, and ridiculous scenarios that just came out of left field. And yet it like it appealed to the masses in a way that I just could not comprehend. And I love dumb movies. So it's just like, I don't know necessarily what makes people like what makes one movie work more than the other for people because to me, this movie worked a lot better because it was so straightforward and clean and crisp. But it just like, I guess it wasn't splashy or loud enough. I don't know. Like, can you can you just validate my feelings yes, right no, now? No, I agree. And I will <laughs> say that on Rotten Tomatoes, despite the fact that the critic score is low, I think that the yeah. populist score is about 20 points higher. And for me, whenever yeah. those scores are so far off in different directions, I sort of think like, okay the critics and the audience were looking for different things. Like sometimes I think it's yeah. the other way around too, where critics will give something like a 90% and then you go in the audience has given it like a 50 and then, you know, okay, this is like really highbrow and like the audiences didn't thought it was weird and didn't connect with it. But I think with this, yeah. it's, or the critics were like, this isn't inventive enough. And audiences were like, no, that's not what we want. We want to see. Yeah you know, a movie where somebody has to go into a burning building because it's a cool stunt. And even though that has already been done in other movies, it hasn't been done recently. And now we have new technology so we can see it done in a new, more interesting way. Yeah. And um, it hasn't been done with a disabled character with one leg. So (laughs) originality, folks, you know, I thought it was great. And I thought this movie did a lot of things right. And one of those things was just like the easy way it handled this guy with a disability. Like it wasn't even necessarily a point of conversation ever. It was just like he just made it work, you know? I I had a thought in the middle of watching this movie, <laughs> which I yeah. then tried to like validate online and I couldn't find anything. But as I was watching it, I was thinking, you know, there's been a lot of talk recently with this Scarlett Johansson uh, casting where she was cast to play a transgender man. And they yeah. said, why didn't you like, why aren't you casting a transgender person instead of her? Yeah. And so I got to thinking like, shouldn't the same rules apply to disabled people? <laughs> like, shouldn't they have cast a disabled person an amputee in this role or made him not an amputee. But then I was looking up online and I couldn't find anybody else who seemed to be like, banging Oh my gosh. Are you serious? No, Matt, there has been so much drama about this. Really? There's I could a- not find it at yes. all. Yes. No, I mean, maybe not so much, but like it was enough to garner a BuzzFeed article. Oh my gosh, I am a trendsetter. I thought about it before (laughs) other people. I'm on top of all of these social issues. Who knew? Yeah, it was interesting because it didn't cross my mind in the same way. What was interesting was that before the movie was released, Dwayne Johnson made a statement about this and he was like saying how excited he was and how, how important he thought 
representation in films was and that he was excited to highlight person with a disability. But he also acknowledged that he hopes that that opens the door for more disabled people to get roles and to be able to tell stories and whatever. So it was interesting that there was backlash because it seemed like he did it in a very respectful way. But there was where it was like, why didn't you hire a disabled person to play this disabled role? And I was interested to hear your take on it because obviously, like, I think casting ScarJo as like that Asian role or even Emma Stone as the Asian in that movie no one talks about. There's like... Yeah, there's clear issues when you try and like whitewash a role to me. And I see that too with gender and transgender issues. But when you start to water it down to these other things of representation, like disabilities and, you know, the gay versus straight and getting these sort of getting in these lines, it was sort of like, don't we want disabled people to be able to play other people than disabled people? Because wouldn't that just be like tokenism and kind of like, I I read a really good article about this uh, involving the Scarlett Johansson incident Mm -hmm. that I thought made a really good point. And it was uh, a transgender actress was saying that she would be fine with Scarlett Johansson playing a transgender role because, you know, she's an actress and obviously you want to play roles that are outside of yourself. But she would be fine with that if she as a transgender woman then got to play cisgender roles and i think sort of the same thing would apply to this situation where it's like yeah the rock could play an amputee if there were amputees playing roles that where they could play somebody who's not an amputee but it doesn't seem like they're getting those opportunities where and i think that Mm -hmm. the difference in the like the like gay versus straight actor is that there are a lot of gay actors who do play straight roles and there's a lot of straight actors who play gay roles so I think once it like opens up Mm -hmm. enough that you're moving in both directions then it's not as big of a deal but when like I can't think of a single amputee actor or actress (laughs) right and then you're giving that role to the rock then it seems a little off. But I sort of feel like with this movie, the fact that he's an amputee really matters not at all. And I think (laughs) that had, if someone had written this script with an amputee in mind and they were like, well, we can either hire an amputee or hire the rock and just get rid of that part of the plot. I think that's what they would have opted for. And so I think with this movie, it's a little bit different because it's such a small part of the plot where if this movie had been like about someone who loses their leg and like the emotional trauma that that involves and it had been the rock cast in that I think it would have been a slightly different story I know but that's where it's interesting and maybe it's just you know boiling over at this point but um, Jake Gyllenhaal was in that Boston movie where he plays the amputee the double amputee and there wasn't like the same complaints and to me that was like that's what I thought of too was like that seems more of a role where you'd be like why not give it to a real amputee who could actually like channel yeah. those feelings and frustrations and I definitely agree that it's like the issue here is that disabled um, transgender like whatever actors aren't being invited to the table and they aren't having the same opportunities but it's weird to then turn that into like a criticism of a film that is showing that like disabled roles are like easy to watch you know like they should be making movies that have more disabled characters and they should be making movies that have more transgender characters 
And I'm glad the conversation's happening. It's just like been a really interesting one to me because it is sort of like, yeah, I agree that The Rock should be able to play a disabled character because that's acting. But it is like, I can see how he has an opportunity to move aside to show that there are disabled actors who deserve to be at that level of fame too. And like, if they don't get a a leg in the door, a foot in the door, then it's like, well, we're never going to get to see them act. So it is like, it's a very interesting drama, but people agreed with you. So (laughs) that was a criticism of the film. And I think some, I think it's good. More people are speaking out about needing that representation. There was a really easy joke in there about getting a foot in the door. And I decided (laughs) not to take it because I'm taking the higher road. (laughs) I'm sorry. You're right. I really set that up. Um, Yeah. And I mean, I think just in general, with all of these kind of discussions, as we, you know, move forward to becoming more inclusive in all of these aspects, I think there's always a little bit of stumbling of like, is this okay? Is this not okay? But it's better to like have the conversation than not have the conversation. So yeah, and I think it was great how they played it in this movie where it was just like, he didn't have to like overcome his disability. You know, it wasn't like, oh, if only I had two legs. It was like, he just did it, you know, and it was no like, I didn't even like blink when he like threw his leg into the door and like held it open. I was just like, good problem solving, you know, like he did it. And I think it's like, that was what was refreshing about the movie was it was just like very straightforward. And it was like, yeah, I could see that working maybe, you know, like with the rock flinging himself from a crane. I believe he could make that jump. Oh, yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah, The Rock can do anything. My main takeaway with from this movie is that The Rock has incredible upper body strength. The amount of things he was just <laughs> yeah. like dragging himself through, I was, I I was so impressed by. Well, even when he was like shirtless and you just saw the size of his pec, it's like my face. Like it's oh, huge. Yes. He is so giant. It's just crazy. I know. I'm sitting there in the theater like, oh my gosh, this is embarrassing <laughs> for me. Like, Matthew, get your act together. What are you doing with your life? so the movie in general is about a man who the rock who is a consultant for this giant skyscraper called the pearl yeah and he gets framed by these people who are working there because they want to set him up for the crime of burning this building down so then but then his family is in the building so he has to break back into the building to rescue his family from the burning building and that's basically the entire plot of the movie there's like that is i mean it's very simple and there's not even really a villain that you can really get behind or understand so that is something that i wanted to talk about that i had written down I think that Mm -hmm. the biggest problem about this movie and the reason that why it didn't resonate more with people is the fact that there's not a strong villain. The Die Hard movie has such a great villain in the Alan Rickman character. And this has a weird hodgepodge of like, there's (laughs) this Asian woman who is like going around killing people. And she's definitely the most villainous, but she's not actually in the building at all. So she's kind of a moot point. There's like a, a Weasley like investor guy who gets killed off pretty early. There's a couple like henchmen, but there's nobody you can really get a good hate into. And I think that was part of the problem. Yeah. Well, and because the main villain, like the instigator of this, he has guys he's working for. So it's not even like he's the real villain. He's just the muscle hired to get a job done. And so it basically turns out that the scandal is the creator of this building used 
was like cartel money or yeah. something, just like illegal money to build the building. And then they were trying to squeeze him from for money and so he blackmailed them yeah, it's like or was he had the power to blackmail like they were trying them. to blackmail him yeah and then he was actually like tracking them and then could blackmail the cartels right so now the cartels are trying to burn down the building to flush out this flash drive that he has in a vault that has this right. information that he's using to blackmail the cartels yeah so it was sort of convoluted like i walked away not necessarily sure about what this guy's plan was because i think it was he i think he set the building on fire so that one he could get to the penthouse but two so that the guy who created the building could see what he loved most destroyed and it was just sort of like well it wasn't that interesting and it did kind of become hard to care about but at the same time you're not like, I think the movie did a good job of making sure there wasn't a lot of screen time for that drama. It was yes. just about the rock climbing through a building. <laughs> well, they tease that drama a couple of times earlier on in the movie, but the reveal yeah. of the, like, there's a cartel, there's a, we're, hot, we're blackmailing <laughs> this person, now we're reverse blackmailing. None of that comes until the very end of the movie. So the, by the time yeah. you get there, you're sort of like, yeah, 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 we don't care. Like, get back to the fight. Yeah, it's like, okay, whatever. Yeah, and it is, I mean, it to me, it was sort of interesting because it's like, The Rock wouldn't care about that. He's just like, I'm here to get my family out of this burning building. I don't care about your drama. I literally don't care how you built this building. I don't care who's trying to kill you, but we're going to get out because I need to save my little girl. And so it's just sort of like, I don't know if I can give credit to the screenwriters for that, but it was sort of refreshing to me that he didn't get involved in the bigger picture. Oh, yeah. Because he just didn't care. He was like, okay, whatever. (laughs) So I have one thing about this movie that I really, really liked. And one thing about this movie that I really did not like that I want to bring up <laughs> okay. to you and see what your thoughts are. Okay. Which do you want first? The thing I liked or the thing I hated? Let's talk about the thing you liked. Okay. So I really loved Neve Campbell as the wife in this movie. I thought yeah. that she was such she was fun, she was engaging, she was she like had some good ish action scenes. And I love her in Scream, so I was happy to see her back in like a big role. But also I really thought that it was a funny idea of this trope where in the beginning of the movie she can't get her phone to work and the rock (laughs) says turn it off and turn it back on that fixes the problem 90 percent of the time and then at the end of the movie they're trying to figure out how to get the sprinkler system to come back on in the building (laughs) and she's like i'll turn the whole building off and turn it back on and sure enough the sprinkler system works and i was like that was so clever and just like so basic and kind of funny and i just i thought i thought it was so fresh i liked it yeah it was fun and simple because it's like she's not gonna know how to do anything beyond that but it just might work and it did and I thought it was good too I mean it was just a nice little full circle moment and she was fun to watch I thought it was nice that she wasn't like just this like weeping woman who needed rescuing she was she's problem solving her own way and when she got out of the building she's like talking to the cops and she's outsmarting them and it turns out she speaks Chinese and it's just like this fun little 
twist and then she's take me to the building i swear i can prove my husband's innocence and then she beats the crazy chinese lady who'd been murdering everyone yeah yeah i i liked it it was great i thought i thought that whole element was was fantastic and and it wasn't complicated it was very like straightforward but fun and yeah, she wasn't this yeah. like sniveling wife, like, oh, I need somebody to save me. She's like, no, I can friggin' like walk up some stairs and save myself. Yes, yes, queen. And then it was also nice that the kids weren't like as annoying as kids usually are, mostly because they're pretty off screen for yeah. most of it. But the one kid does have but asthma. They... And I was like, oh, dear Lord. I don't I have not heard of anybody having asthma in 10 years and yet every but every child in the movie has <laughs> asthma but but that didn't even play in so yeah well it did because he was coughing while right, they were in the smoky building like, uh, oh, well, <laughs> give him mouth to mouth and whatever he was just like coughing as they were running right. along and then he got out of the movie like halfway yeah. through, or out of the building halfway through the movie so then he was off screen and done with yeah and I loved that escape i love the rock just puts the wife and the son in the elevator and he's like listen i'm gonna cut you loose but there's a magnetic field that'll slow you down if you just remember to pull this and i felt very anxious because like my greatest fear is dying in an elevator but it was really (laughs) cool that she just she just drops through this flaming building and then pulls to a stop right at the very end i was i was all for that action sequence She was she was great. Although my thought was like, yeah. did she have to go all the way to the bottom in the elevator? Couldn't she have like pulled the brake earlier and stopped on like the twentieth floor since the fire is on floor ninety six? Yeah. But nitpicking. Yeah, and it's like, how would you even be able to tell you're going so fast well, it was through this building? You, you have so you no idea. Walk, you know? Yeah, but you're like you're zooming so quickly. You're falling like ninety stories. I don't think things can like. I don't think. St- things take shape at that speed oh maybe not i don't know i'll i'll let you can let me know if you ever almost die in an yeah. elevator it's glass. yeah <laughs> okay but what did you hate so the thing i hated was i did not understand the point of the pearl which is like the big room at the top <laughs> of the skyscraper which is sort of like yes! a giant like room full of tv V screens? Yeah, no, it's like these, it's very weird. So you're introduced in the beginning of the movie. He's like, there's this mystery circle on top of the, on top of the building. And everyone's like, what's in there? And then when the rock goes to like give his verdict on the security measures, he's like, let me show you something. And they go into this room. It clearly has a great view. It's like a hundred stories above Hong Kong. And then he flicks a button and all these like mirrors slash LED screens or something rise from the floor. And he's like, this is going to be the eighth wonder of the world. (laughs) And I was just like, well, why? You know, it was just like, what is so special about this? It's clearly there because the final action fight scene of the movie is like a funhouse mirror fight scene where it's like is that him is that him is that a mirror is that the actual person there's definitely at least one time where they're like that's not me i'm behind (laughs) you and then turns around and gets punched in the face yeah but i was confused as to why someone would build this on the top of a building yeah it was like a lookout right well what was observation deck but then it was all screens you couldn't actually see outside the coolest part was obviously that the mirrors or the floor 
either turned transparent or somehow reflected the bottom. So it became like you were floating, which that was the cool part. And like, I can envision someone building that in the future where it's like this crazy observation deck where you get to kind of step out on this glass field and just like, you're just floating in the air. But it's like, what did the mirrors add to that attraction? Like thinking of it from a purely like literal, if I'm building a hotel and I want to have a eighth wonder of the world on top of it, why would I do this? And I think the one thing I could come up with was maybe like in the event that there were hundreds of people in this room to like enjoy the view, having those mirrors would mean you wouldn't notice the people as much. Maybe. Because it would reflect like the environment more and it would just like make it sort of like an illusion. Like, so (laughs) if they put that much thought into it, like maybe that's what, that's why the creator of the Pearl would have built it that way. But obviously it was just for the final act where they just are fighting through this like, maze of mirrors my first thought when they walked in that room and it was like oh look now you're not standing on the floor you can see through the floor to the world below you i was like this yeah. is a horrible idea because that's gonna get dirty so fast and then you're when you're walking <laughs> on it you're just gonna see all this dirt and smudges from other people's <laughs> shoes you're not gonna be able to see a darn thing it's like whenever you go to those observation decks where you walk out on glass and it's like you can't see anything because it's so grimy but i think it was I mean, this is just getting way too detailed, but I don't think it was glass. I think it was like LED screens that somehow like... Either way, it's getting yeah, dirty. Yeah, you're right. This was a bad idea. Yeah, this movie is stupid. Yeah. yeah the whole movie Boo. should be tossed out. It was a bad plot from the beginning. I um, know, but it was interesting, like the finale. What I liked about this one was that he had this moment where he was finally reunited with his daughter and he thought like they were about to burn to death because they were. And he was just like, this is it. It's over. And it was just like, it was a strangely like potent scene for me. I was just like, oh, like it was oh, just you like, cry. no, I didn't cry, but it was just like, it got me in the feels, you know? <laughs> well, I mean, it is sad because you do. I mean, you obviously as a moviegoer don't think they're going <laughs> to die because obviously they're not. Right. But they, there's not like a, this is how we escape because really they think they're done for other yeah. than the fact that Neve Campbell is able to turn the building back off <laughs> and back on again and then the sprinkler system saves the Sprinklers them. work, yeah. I know because it's just sort of like they're stuck on top of this building. They have no parachutes. Everyone just died wearing them and they're just like watching the world burn around him and he's like, relieved that he got to her but then also he's just sad and he's just holding her and it's just like they don't know what's going on downstairs they don't know that the wife's got it figured out and so it's just like it really worked for me and I think that was what works with The Rock especially is that he does have this very paternal like energy to him and any scene he's in with kids it's just like so tender to me I don't know why I'm such a sucker for it Seeing him panic when his kids are first taken, it was just like, oh, this is so sad. And you feel that again at the end when it's like, oh, he tried so hard, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I thought I thought it was a I thought it was a good movie. I would give it a thumbs up overall. Uh, yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on it or do you want to move into the love it or hate it round? Well, I just wanted to bring up the duct tape uh, oh, real yes. fast. Was, was that a sponsor? <laughs> Was it product placement? I know. It was I in was this like, movie has duct tape been struggling? 
I know. I haven't thought about duct tape in years. I don't know. I had I thought I kind of thought the joke died, but he really brought it back. He said that like he was talking to himself, basically patching himself up after some elaborate he had just survived something and he has duct tape and he's just like, what does he say? He's like, oh, if you, if you can't fix it with duct tape, you're not using enough or something. Yes. And it's weird because it's <laughs> he does. It's not like he's talking to himself throughout the whole movie. So this makes sense. Right. Like, this is the only thing where he says anything to himself, like in the movie, I know. And he's like fixing a stab wound or something <laughs> with a piece of yeah. duct tape. And he's like, if you can't fix it with duct tape, then you don't have enough duct tape. And then later, as he's trying to scale the side of the building, he's like, let me use some duct tape to, like, stick on the window. Yeah. I don't even know what the point of it was at that, at it that point. It was just to kind of help him balance. Yeah, to kind of stick to the window. Not necessarily to, like, work, hold his whole body up, but I think it just kind of helped him catch himself a little. Which was clever thinking on his heart. On his part, TBH. Do I think it would have worked as well as it did? I don't know. But I was like, okay, I can get behind that. But it was weird having him have this like very sponsored moment where he's like, gotta mention duct tape out loud. Because we all knew what he was doing. We all knew he was putting duct tape on. But the fact that he like paused the movie to say duct tape it was just yes. very yes very surreal like yeah we all know what it is that you're using like i've seen duct yeah. tape. This, i did not bring this up yeah. when we were talking about the ant-man but in the first ant-man movie he's working at like baskin robbins or taco bell or someplace some fast food chain and like there's multiple instances of like them mentioning this like mango chiller blast or you know like some kind of drink <laughs> and the guy the manager fires him when he realizes he's a convict and he's like but before you go grab one of those mango chiller smoothies on the way out and it's like okay well we can tell that this came out at the same time that taco bell was trying to push yeah. this drink <laughs> <laughs> yeah but it's like somehow even you just telling this like marvel i can see them doing it as a joke and like sort of making fun of this idea but with this, it was just like, I almost wish I'd stayed through the credits to see if they like mentioned yeah. duct tape somewhere in there. Because I think there was some sort of agreement there. Okay, you know what? I will go first. And I, I'm sorry that I'm bringing this up, Shelby. You knew it had to come eventually. Oh, no. But I am currently watching season 20 of Big Brother. <laughs> And it is great, as Big Brother always is. This year's yeah. cast of characters is insane. I guess I should set up what Big Brother is in case you don't know. It's a show where every summer on some lot out in CBS in California, they put 16 people in this house with loads of video cameras and microphones and watch them for 100 days. And every couple of days, they vote somebody out of the house through various like game mechanisms until eventually there's only one person (laughs) left and they win a half million dollars but they find the craziest people and then have them do the most ridiculous challenges and tasks while they are out there and it is endlessly entertaining for me and this year they have like this woman named Rockstar who's like a band groupie who just had a baby like four months ago and left her baby to move in this house who's like a crazy person. They have this other woman who thinks that like this 
bird that landed on the side of the house is like the soul of her departed grandfather and keeps like talking to this bird as if it's the grandfather they also have to do these weird uh challenges this one guy got a punishment and they sent in like boxes of ham every day and he was like required to eat a certain (laughs) amount of ham every day oh my god throwing up ham all over the place it's great Oh my word. I cannot believe that's in season 20. That's just crazy. Yeah. It's three nights a week. Episodes three, three nights, nights a week. And it is like, it's perfect for me because it's the perfect mix of like strategic thinking. It, you know, it, it has its element that's a little <laughs> more highbrow in the game aspect of it. And then also just like the yeah. lowest level of trash. So it, I will never not watch. <laughs> yeah, no, that's not. what, Yeah. I've only encountered it in like a fringe setting. Like I think my brother was once watching it when I was a kid. And like I have very little knowledge of Big Brother except the fact that you are obsessed with it. And I just have to ask, are you more into Big Brother or Survivor? I am much more into Survivor than I am Big Brother. And actually, if we're going to get into like the nitty gritty details (laughs) of it, I like Big Brother Canada much more than I like Big Brother US. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Canada's in the fall or in the spring. So that already aired this year. And now we're on to Big Brother US, which is like not quite as good, but I'll still watch it. Wow. Why is Canada, do they just, do they do anything differently or you just tend to like Canadians more on the show? I don't know if it's like the casting or the game or what, but usually by the time we get halfway through the U.S. season, I hate everybody who's on the show and I want them all to lose. <laughs> and the Canadian version, yeah. usually I like most everybody. So by the, so I have a lot of more rooting interests when it gets down to the end. Okay, okay. So that's great. I mean, I think it's, you know, 20 seasons is too late for me to you get into. Start so any time, just... <laughs> Shelby. Anytime. You know yeah. what? Maybe yeah, yeah, but I don't Big know. Brother might be a big commitment for you, but maybe for this upcoming yeah. season of Survivor, which starts in the fall, we'll watch it and then, you know, like do a podcast on it. I feel like it'd be good for you. Does anyone still talk about Survivor, though? That's my Oh, I listened to podcasts about Survivor. Oh, that's Survivor. right. You went to a live recording of the podcast. Yes, I have tickets to go to a live Survivor podcast in October already. Oh, wow. So, yeah, which I you're spent right. $40 on. <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm glad you have your passions. Um, I've had a lot of free time on my hands lately because my husband has been having um, late work shifts. So I've started watching... Um, Netflix comedy specials. I don't know if you've encountered any, but there's some good ones and there's some not so good ones, but the good ones are <laughs> um the good ones are John Mulaney. He just got a new one this year which is hilarious. And I don't know if you saw, but there was a Twitter feed where it was like Broadway shows through John Mulaney um quotes. And it was so funny because she would just pull these random screen grabs of like different things John Mulaney has said in his stand up and apply them to like major Broadway musicals. And it got like the attention of like Lin-Manuel and stuff. And I just thought it was so funny. I'm going to send you the link because I think if you've seen John Mulaney and you like Broadway, then you'll appreciate this. Do you, do you like give us a good one? Okay, let me pull one up because... I'm not gonna I'm I don't want to butcher it (laughs) so like she does 
Well, I don't know how this will translate over a podcast because they're just one-liners that if you don't have a deep knowledge of John Mulaney's stand-up, you won't appreciate. But for Hamilton's, it's from his first one and it just says, and I know now that I'm definitely never going to be president. And then for... Yeah, because that's like a Hamilton line. <laughs> yeah. Sort of. And yeah. <laughs> and then um, for Les Mes, it's just him singing the bread of bread is bread. And I don't know why. I just lost it. I thought it was really funny. And I'm glad that random people who are clever and funny get attention from real celebrities. So this woman who tweeted it just like got a thousand more followers from it because so she's living hoping her best for. life yes i need my i need my big twitter break i try with the bachelor i try with taylor swift it just hasn't happened yet you know do you use twitter a <laughs> lot i don't use twitter very often i do for my um podcast um so i help manage that account and it's made me very involved in the specifically obviously taylor swift fandom on twitter which is just a crazy world yeah i follow the only time i get on twitter is when something i am angry about happens usually on big brother (laughs) or survivor and then i go on there just to watch like people complain about it and it makes me feel yeah no it's it's really nice yeah there's like a lot of there's a community there that you can be a part of without ever engaging and i love that because it's like the same thing with Bachelor. I I'll from my private account where I have like 50 followers, I'll just like tweet stuff, but it's obviously never going anywhere. But I like that I can scroll through the Insta, I mean the hashtag and just enjoy other people's commentary, you know. Yeah, and speaking of Twitter and social media, we have yes. social media accounts P.S. You're Wrong, which you can follow and like and tweet and, you know, whatever else people do. (laughs) Yeah, please. Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and email. Yeah, we have an email. Send us questions. Send us your thoughts. We'll answer them maybe on air if we feel like you are worthy. But anyways, I do not have anything else. Do you, Shelby? No, that's it. I think that's good. Well, thank you all for listening. And we will (laughs) see you again next week. We have an exciting episode coming up for you where I think we're going to be reviewing the new Stephen King, Hulu, J.J. Abrams show, Castle Rock. I know. I know. I'm not I'm not a huge horror fan, but I'm doing it. So we'll see if I I last. (laughs) I'll give three episodes a try. (laughs) Well, uh, thanks for listening and we'll see you guys again next week. Bye. Bye. Bye.